if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 162. This is our 2021 Valspar Championship and Tenerife Open Tips and Picks episode. Barry O'Hanrahan joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action. Good morning, Barry. Morning, Steve. You're you're fresh from your coffee. Uh, your your golf debut, your 2021 golf debut yesterday. Yeah, the return to golf in Ireland. Um, God, it was a long time coming. Uh, so that was just, it was great to get back out, of course, in great condition. We actually got a really nice sunny day for it. So a bit of heat, bit of sunscreen, um, no shanks. So sorry for anybody that's suffering from them at the moment for saying it. But uh, it was I was hitting everything off the toe yesterday. So I think there was a subconscious do not hit one of those today. Um, yeah, it was just great to be out. So I've got another couple of games booked this week. Um, well, you can, yeah. got four, four months ah, of uh, exactly. four months four to months make up for frustration. Go for there, it. Yeah, there's not not enough uh, not enough days in the week to get make up for the golf that we missed out on. But you know, we didn't have to put up with that kind of uh, courses being soft and miserable weather. I guess so. There's you know you got to look at the bright side of it. So dead happy to be back and. Um, I think it's a it's a good step for the good vibes in the country that a lot of sports opened yesterday. So yeah. I think there's a lot of people will be able to burn off a lot of um, pent up stress from the the lockdown. So it's a, it's a good thing. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And you guys played a game last week as well. We did. Yeah. Paul and I played our first round last Thursday, which we thoroughly enjoyed. Again, the course was firm and fiery. It was great because we've had very little rain over in the UK. Um, yeah, we have thoroughly enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. So, um, I, I, had, I, had, I had a week off golf, effectively, last week. I didn't watch any golf. I, I just had a recharge week. And um, to p- actually play it, it was really, really enjoyable. I think we're going to have to do some live betting on your next match against Paul. There has to be some, there has to be some way we can engage, you know. <laughs> well, get someone to be doing a live Twitter uh, or a live YouTube uh, video. Following maybe us. maybe a highlights package a full no, full, full live video might be a bit a bit hard to watch, yeah, but um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that yeah. <laughs> uh, this podcast is for listeners of eighteen and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information, and of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models. All available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter. Barry is at a good talk golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show every week. Now my weekly request for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. They've slowed up a little bit, so please, if you're in the UK, Ireland, Australia, America, Canada, wherever you are, please send over a five-star review if you 
like the podcast and want to support the podcast. If you leave your name and where you are in the view, of course, I'll read that out. And any reviews that are coming right now are very, very prone to actually being listed on our PGA Championship uh, podcast that will be coming up in a couple of weeks. There'll be a research podcast in the preceding week. And then, of course, the tips podcast on the Tuesday of the PGA Championship. We're only three weeks away from Kira Ireland. Uh, if you are little, if you listen to the podcast on YouTube, please subscribe and like the show. Right, here's um, a review for us. Five stars. It's from John in County Antrim. It's entitled The Hard Yards. A must listen to anyone interested in golf betting. The guys typically review the previous week's tournaments and then preview the current week's. All sorts of stats and trends followed by their own personal picks. I've listened every week for over a year and wouldn't miss it. First class boys, keep up the good work. That, again, is from John in County Antrim. Nice. It should be a disclaimer that we don't pay for these reviews, but that is awesome to get. You just caught me um, swigging my yeah, tea. Um, they are, they go are, longer. Yeah. It's, all, it's organic, isn't it, Barry? We were talking about this off mic. The whole you know, it's podcast, isn't it? You can't shortcut. You can't shortcut a podcast, really, in terms of just building the audience and and getting people's feedback. Um, yeah, they're genuine. They're genuine um, reviews that come in, and they're, they're yeah, very man. much appreciated. That's great. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I didn't watch any golf last week. I literally. Turn well. I did keep an eye on it. I said last week on the on the Zurich Classic. I can't stand the event. Don't like it at all. Um, you can't do any stats for it because the teams change most years, and it's just a nightmare. So I mm. I, I tend to ignore it. I don't. I certainly don't watch it. But what I did take on board. Um, what did I take on board? I I bigged up. Well, I didn't big up. I said of the teams I was interested in at the top of the board. Finau and Champ were one of them. And they were near the top of the leaderboard the whole week until it got down to business and then collapsed like a pack of cards. Um, so T, T4 still only has one PGA Tour victory. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I mean, you. I think you watched more of it than I did. And I don't know if they'd have been on much of the coverage anyway, because once you're one or two over, they just don't, they cut you out of coverage, don't they? If you're not contending on the, on the Sunday. But I did hear someone was saying the other day that it wasn't really a lot of the mistakes were coming rather from champ side than female side. But I don't know. I I, I didn't get I didn't catch that. But uh, I watched I watched a reasonable amount of the down the stretch on Sunday. Mm. Um, and I, during the week, I don't know whether it was just the way my things were sinking for me. I also ended up watching the foursomes on Friday. Maybe it's a case I found it more interesting to watch than the four ball. Because there's more, there's more potential for different things to happen in the foursomes than, than somebody pretty much trying to make birdie every hole. Uh, but the course was quite interesting the way it played firm and fast. You know that was a, a certainly an unexpected aspect of the week. So I did see some a nice brown bonus, on the greens and not a nice bonus to have a cor- the course play. Uh, probably clever as well because otherwise you end up with like you know minus thirty something you know <laughs> scores. Mm. So it was interesting to see it play present a bit of a challenge, but. Maybe the, I don't know. Just the, the usual talk every year um, about the format, and I, I, I found personally I found the foursomes more interesting to watch. 
Um, so maybe maybe there's like an adaptation around that. You do like a modified foursomes where you both tee off, choose the best drive, and then play foursomes out from there on every second day. Or I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they'll ever get away from the four ball foursomes combo because of the the I suppose the viewed benefits of testing out or a couple of teams getting to test themselves out for Ryder Cup or Presidents Cup purposes. So we're probably kind of stuck with it, let's say. But um, an in, an interesting diversion from the regular weekly 72 hole stroke play so it's not it's not going to be my favorite tournament of the year but you know good to see a little bit of team golf and uh it was it was actually interesting down the stretch when bogeys were very much in play i backed two i backed Finau and champ as i said on the podcast and i also mentioned burns and horschel i covered i backed them so effectively mm. i covered the week um they they managed to get an each way spot they were they were they were a useful team um, but it, it boiled down to two experienced um, teams, didn't it? Effectively, Smith and uh, Aust- uh, Smith and Leishman for Team Australia, and Team South Africa in the form of Oosthuizen and Charles Sparks. So, I mean, if you if you want to if you want a foursome of high grade golfers, there, there was you know you you looked at those two teams on paper. They, was, they were clearly big names. I, I can't. Yeah. Oosthuizen and Sparks were pretty deep in the betting as well, weren't they? They, they weren't they at the might very, very been, top. They might have been in the 30s, if, yeah. I, if memory serves Good correct. enough. And when you think about the way the course played firm and fast, and you match up the guys who were there at the top of the end, two yeah. Australians and two South Africans that are well used to firm and fast golf courses, yep. it, just, it starts to make an awful lot of sense. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so um, an, an incredible whiff by Louis in, um, in the overtime, <laughs> the playoff. Like, it's just... And I'd say that's uh, that's gonna shock his system for a long, long time. Just it's the one thing he can't do. He can hit it anywhere left, but just not that right. Um, did you did you happen to catch the uh, the interview with uh, the two boys afterwards? Schwarzel's no. fa- face was absolutely priceless. He looked like he was a mixture of vomiting and few and like <laughs> pure rage at the same time. <laughs> it was, Oh yeah, I felt like it, just, it can happen to anyone. It's just it's awful. <laughs> you could see with Svartzel's numbers, he's been he's he's struggled for a long time, Svartzel, hasn't he? Mm. But you could you just. Know what, see, you know I happens? mean, I was reviewing his numbers this morning, just as part of the uh, not this morning, but yesterday or over the weekend as part of this Valspar research. And he's been actually. You look at his ball striking and his um, total driving numbers, where they've been abysmal. Last couple of outings prior to the Zurich. He'd been actually playing, uh, hitting the ball straight and long again, so it was. Can't say it was no surprise, but him and him and Oosthuizen on a firm, fast golf course did make lots of sense. But I don't think we've ever seen it firm and fast like that before. It's normally twenty-eight under par kind of winning. Yeah, on a very accessible, receptive golf course. So that that element to it was difficult to see beforehand, I think. But for yeah. sure. More, more f- firm and fast golf proves more interesting again and again so it's great to see hopefully we've seen a couple of events like that recently on the PGA Tour so maybe there's a slight focus shift or um, from how they're setting up courses inter- yeah, introduce a bit of variety to it rather than having just dartboard golf so mm. if, you know I'd be all over seeing a few more firm and fast courses uh, throughout the, the rest of the season on the European Tour, we had the Gran Canaria Lopesan Open, and that was won by Garrick Hicko, who took Higo 
who took his second European tour victory. And I I can kind of recall you mentioning this last week with some of the uh, reasoning behind your tips. He'd actually won in Portugal last autumn. I just picked the wrong guys, didn't they? So, you know, you and Paul were talking about connecting, correlating courses. And you, I know that you yeah. and I expect Paul did as well mention that there could be link uh, links into the regular Portugal Masters. And there's Higo that, uh, you know, he just he rocked up and, and got the job done. For, for the record, Paul had Sam Horsfield, who, apart from a terribly slow start, got right into the mix. So Paul more than covered, oh, he covered the week effectively with the uh, the Horsfield bet, which actually, when you're tipping up for golf courses you've never seen before and for, <laughs> it's difficult. That's a it? win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just covering the weeks a win. Now, Paul isn't on this podcast. I don't know if you noticed, Barry. He's not on the call. He, yeah. was send- he was sending you and me a message at some ungodly hour this morning saying that he was uh, just about to set off on a trip to A&E with one of his sons who he thinks may have broken his ankle playing football last night. So, Paul um, relays his apologies... He'll be back clearly next week. Hope, well, yeah, he will be back next week. And um, yeah, we just hope everything's going well. Um, he's sitting in A and E at the moment with his son, waiting for the X-ray to come back. Would have been interesting to get a record from there, but <laughs> <laughs> a live feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think what we'll do is Paul's pulled together a full, well, his full detailed. Um, Tenerife Open uh, tips preview this week. Uh, they've moved the European Tour has moved thirty miles west to the island of Tenerife, where they're going to have two tournaments and this Canary Island swing. Um, we've got the preview in front of us, so we might as well start to relay that to listeners. Paul's done his full preview with four selections this week for the event. They're actually playing this European Tour event on the island of Tenerife. There was some action here uh, quite a while ago, but at least it's something to work on. Um, The field itself, there's a few notable additions to the field from last week's uh, event on Gran Canaria. Callum Shinkwin, Laurie Cantor and Sammy Falamaki are in this week's field. And falling off the list, Sam Horsfield and Rafa Cabrillo Bayo. They've jo- they've hopped on a private jet, I expect, and they've actually jetted over to Florida for the Valspar Championship on the PGA Tour. Andy Sullivan also doesn't play this week over in Tenerife. Now the golf course itself, they are playing the 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 Melaneras. Golf, uh, oh, it's, well, oh no, that was last week, sorry. The Costa Adagi Golf, which hosted the 2003 Canarias Open de España. It's designed by Jose Ganacido and opened in 1998. The Costa Adagi Golf is another coastal resort golf course that boasts superb views over the Atlantic Ocean and the island's volcano. Mount Taidi. Now, I actually go on holiday quite regularly to um, 
to oh god, completely forgotten. Oh, that'll come back to me. Anyway, I go down to the Canary Islands quite a bit, and you can actually see from the island that we go to, you can actually see that particular um, volcano. So I know exactly what part of the world they are. Um, from from experience, um, this part of the world features quite a lot of wind, so or it tends to. I don't think we saw a lot of that last week, it has to be said. No, the it was golf, pretty calm. It was pretty calm, wasn't it? The golf course this week is being quoted at 6,900... Oh, by the way, it's just come to me. Fruta Ventura is the island that we go to. 6,900 yards. It's a par 71. Now, as Paul said, take those numbers with a pinch of salt because... Last week's Monaris golf course grew 200 yards, I think, on the Wednesday before the tournament started on the Thursday, based on the European Tour's data, which came out later on. We have seen that a lot. Um, Back in 2003, the course was set up in one of the most unusual ways, with 18 holes comprising of six par threes, six par fours, and six par fives. According to the European Tour's website... It will play this week with five par fives, with the eighth becoming a very long par four. Understandably, such a setup puts a massive focus on how a player fares on the longer holes, with Paul McGinley shooting 21 under par on the par fives over the course of the four rounds back in 2003. Fairways are wide and feature paspalum grass. Greens are huge and have been upgraded from bent grass to Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass since the 2003 event and should run a lot quicker than the 8.6 on the stimp meter that the players faced 18 years ago. 8.6 on the stimp. 18 years ago, you don't see yeah. much of those I'm trying to find the event now online, just wondering if they changed the par of any of the holes back in 2003. I mean, pars, like, what, what, I don't get why they change. The, I don't the, think, I've, really, I've, I've never seen an event with with a straight split of sixes, six threes, fours and fives. That's something I've never come across. It's very rare. My, my dad and his friends go on their uh, kind of end of season uh, holiday to Tenerife every year and oh, they've, played, they've played this a load and he always talks about this as being one of the most enjoyable courses because of the variety with the three, the split of 6-6 six, six, and 6 mm. and I, it, do you know when you th- it's, it's unusual but when you think about it as a balance for a golf course it's almost perfect right it's, it shouldn't be but if you, like it's 6-6 six, six, and 6 like an equal distribution across the different parts so it's a shit. I don't know why they changed one of the things to, to make it a par 71, one of the par fives. But hey, listen, pars are relevant. Whoever shoots the, the lowest number of strokes for the week's going to win. So going back to 03, Kenneth Ferry won at 22 under par. He won in a playoff, which also featured Peter Hedblom and Peter Laurie. Wow. With Brian Davis. I remember Brian Davis when he played on the PGA Tour quite regularly in fourth spot. Shorter hitters weren't disadvantaged 18 years ago, it would seem, with Peter Laurie making the playoff despite ranking as one of the shortest players off the tee that particular week. A quote from a very young Charles Svartzel. 
It's amazing how these things come around, isn't it? Charles Svartzel played on this golf course in 03, who led after the first round, puts this further into context. Generally speaking, Svartzel said, I didn't play very well, I didn't drive very well, and missed a lot of fairways, but you can get away with it on this course. I was never really in big trouble. My iron play was good. And then on my back nine, my putter woke up. With six par fives in play back in 2003, it's no surprise that the par three, four, five split was fairly extreme compared to regular par 72s. Kenneth Ferry won. He was one under par on the threes, eight under par on the fours, and 13 under par on the par fives. Of course, if there are any last minute tweaks to this setup, Paul will uh, this week, then that will affect this metric. However, assuming no changes, then holding on over the numerous par threes and attacking the par fives would seem to be the recipe for success. That is Paul's view from his preview. And I can kind of see that. You've got far more par threes than usual. And the par fives, again, uh, you're going to have 20 looks at them effectively, aren't you? Which clearly is far more than we usually see. Mm. Is any of this making any sense, Tom? No, it do- it makes an awful lot of sense. I, I like a couple of his tips, so uh, I've been kind of stuck on a couple of them for the last couple of weeks, and I might just stay with, hold the faith, you know. Um, there's enough there to to not just jump ship and pivot off, so we'll see what happens. This is Paul Samuel. We should expect birdies again this week on another short, scorable resort course with little in the way of wind to protect. In fact, just harking back to the wind. Um, in terms of the actual conditions this week, it looks like a carbon copy for what we saw last week on Gran Canaria. Mild, sunny conditions expected, with the thermometer hitting the low 70s Fahrenheit. The breeze may pay, pick up a little in the afternoon, but nothing more than 10 miles an hour. So no problems there. 15 under was leading at the halfway point on this course back in 03, and the cut fell at 6 under par. Wow. Par 3 scoring, par 5 scoring, and putting on these Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens would seem to be the strongest pointers. And that is what has shaped Paul's four selections. I'll go in reverse order with, uh, in fact, he's gone for five. He has gone for our friend Alejandro Canazares. He's gone a point each way, 125 to one uh, with bet 365 on that particular bet. I don't think that needs, I mean, for regular listeners who have listened over the last couple of weeks, clearly Canazares played extremely well at the Austrian Golf Open, didn't he? Mm. He made the cut last week, but never really got into any form of contention after a slow start. But Paul's basically saying that the guy's game um, should translate very well to this golf course this week again. And that's what he believed last week, based upon the momentum he was bringing over from Austria. He's clearly clearly playing some half-decent stuff at the moment, Canizares. Yeah, yeah, I was on him last week as well. I thought he'd just kind of continue rolling and... um... Didn't quite happen, but you know he had a slow slow start in round one. So you're, it's always tough when you start like shooting a level par. I think it was level par or just around level par at the start yeah. of the tournament, and the rest of the field 
Uh, or no, the leaders are leaders. miles yeah. ahead. So yeah. all of a sudden you're in this really tricky spot where you know you have to press to catch up, but by pressing you can introduce mistakes and that ruins your chances of catching up. So it's um, yeah. Yeah, it's just very hard to make up that ground. So To, to back that up, he, he shot 65, yeah. 67, 66 um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Decent, decent enough, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know... He probably arrived there on a bit of a downer. You never know how they're going to react, do you? A bit of a downer from the, the Sunday in in Austria. Gets off the charter flight. And then all of a sudden, once he's forgotten about that on the Thursday, starts playing the same golf quality of golf he was playing in Austria for the the previous, uh, or for the three rounds to, to get the lead over in Austria. A palace cleanser. You got it. Next up for Paul, he again, again bet 365. 90-1 he got on Pep Angle. A point each way. Scouring the scorecards from post-lockdown European Tour events for clues as to who might go well this week leads us, or Paul, to Pep Angle, who finished runner-up to Garrick Hicko at the Open de Portugal on another quirky setup with five par fives and five par threes. Despite opening with a level par round of 72 that week, the Spaniard went on to shoot three straight rounds of 66 to push last week's victor all the way at Royal Ibados, another coastal track like this week, finishing three such shots ahead of the nearest challengers into the bargain. Eighth at the Kenya Open is the 28-year-old's best result of 2021. However, last week's 29th could have been so much better had it not been, yes, you've guessed it, for a slow start, opening with a one over par 71 before shooting 64, 65, 67 to finish in a much more respectable position. Powerful driving and strong iron play are Pep's core strengths and with reachable par fives and a plethora of par threes, that looks like a decent combination to Paul as he looks to break through at European Tour level. So Pep Angle, I'm not pronouncing, pronouncing the S on that one, I'm sure I'm wrong. A point each way at 90 to 1 with Bet365 is Paul's second selection. Now you mentioned, I mean I haven't asked you yet, but you mentioned about keeping the faith. I don't, I don't know who you've gone for this week, but I know for a fact that you've mentioned an Italian by the name of Nino Batasio recently. Uh, and I backed him last week, and I'm gonna back him again. He's well, you talking to because that's Paul's third selection. He's gone for Nino Batasio, so yeah, add, add so, some add some muscle to the skeleton of this particular selection because you must little, be on the same tracks of Paul. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, well, Paul's obviously got has a little bit more than my emotional response to just auto backing to try chase the losses. Uh, so <laughs> here here we go. Um, in his 24 attempts at the par threes last week, uh, nobody scored any better than him. He was seven under for the par threes. So there's yeah. something clearly going very well with his ball, his irons and his ball striking. Um, so that's, that's a really good indicator uh, going into this week. It's with, um, oh my God, that is a lot coming up this week. Yeah, par threes. Uh, it would be terrifying if you're not hitting your irons well, playing that many of them. So... Yeah. Uh, here we go. The, the long-hitting 32-year-old can make mincemeat of the par fives to add to the par three prowess, and that bodes well on this quirky scorecard as he goes after his maiden victory on the European Tour. Despite his three-figure quote here this week, there's been a lot to like about the two-time Alps Tour winner this year. 19th at the Qatar Masters, 
with some other good results in Kenya, 12th and 10th, and uh, finishing 63 in his last round in Kenya, and wow. another 63 last week suggests that there's little wrong with his scoring right now, and it won't take a massive improvement to the putter to see him far closer to the top of the leaderboard than last week's result. His putter doesn't look sensational in his hands, so probably just needs to find that little hmm. that that little added bonus for the week with the putter might help get him up there. Paul managed to get ninety to one eight places each way with our friends at Ladbrokes, which seems like a good bet. He's certainly percolating the Italian, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, There's something per- there. Good words. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm going to stick with him as well, and. Uh, I'll probably I'll probably hunt out the the maximum number of places and sacrifice a tiny bit on the top price. Well, yeah, I mean you've got the eight place option at Coral and Ladbrokes this week. Um, I know over on the PGA too. I couldn't believe it. I mean I'd already released my tips at Ball Sports. I've gone ten places each way this week, which is incredible value. Um, just to take you through the top of the board this week, we've got Rosner at sixteen to one. He's the favourite. Matthias Swabber eighteens. Last week's winner, Garrick Hicko, or Higo, is uh, twenty to one, uh, but eighteen to one generally. And then you got Yo Slouten at twenty fives, JB Hansen twenty eights, who I know Paul was tempted on. Uh, Justin Harding at thirties, Kurt Kitayama, who blew out big style last week at thirty threes with Victor Dubuisson. And then there's a couple of uh, others in them on that mix. You've got Teal Bjorn Olsen, who played well last week. Canters at 35s. But Paul has gone for two 33-1 shouts. He's gone for Max Kiefer, who's in an absolute you know, great run of form. It's a toss-up. Does he, does, he, does he contend for the third week you know, running, or mm. does he go backwards? Paul thinks that he's going to... Hold that form together. So two points each way, 33 to 1 with Unibet. Six places each way. Paul got on. Kiefer doesn't really need a lot more explanation. He's also gone for the Scott. And this guy we've mentioned on the podcast, certainly last year, um, a big, big reputation, Callum Hill. Uh, Paul thinks he's another... uh, He looks like a winner in waiting on the European Tour. Um. He's just very, very polished individual, a really young talent. Um, he actually ranks on par fives this season to date on the European to a third for par five scoring. Um, you know, he's, he's playing some outstanding stuff right now. He also ranks second for par three scoring season to date. Um, so, you know, there's some decent metrics there. And 29th last week in Gran Canaria. As Paul says here, loosen the limbs after four weeks away from competitive golf. And every element of his game was strokes gained positive over on the Melanes golf uh, course. Encouraging signs as he looks to push his career to the next level. And the world's top 100 is beckoning should he win this week. With the US PGA Championship, the mere matter of three weeks away. A huge carrot for some of these players that are on the fringes of the top 100, it has to be said. So Paul at the top end, 233 to 1 shouts. He's gone Kiefer and he's gone for Callum Hill. Any other bets for you? I have a couple, yeah. I I got uh, got a 
bit creative with the <clears throat> predictor model last night and just started punching in a few few different uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. And one came out, not totally towards the top, but in the top six or seven, and it was Nicholas Lemke. Okay. So I started doing a little bit more digging in as to why he had a withdrawal beside his name a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and unfortunately, he had COVID. So there's a little bit of how that if there's any after effects of that still lingering but before that he had a very interesting run of 9th 33rd and 14th um so playing some good golf and he absolutely pounds the ball he's one of the longest on tour he's fourth in driving distance he also had combines that with a pretty hot putter he's eighth for putts per green and reg but he's also fifth in average putts per round uh, he's fourth in sand saves and fifth in scoring average for this season. So there's a lot of stuff to like there. And the I think the the distance can only be a, a benefit this week on, with so many par fives to attack. Um, he's going to have a lot of looks at Eagle. <clears throat> so he is available widely at 80 to 1, seven places. And 60 to 1, eight places. But <clears throat> I think in this stage, I might just get a little bit greedy and take the 80s. It's a bit too much of a gap down to the 60s. and uh, fine well, sometimes. Yeah, just a little bit much. I mean, you just know it's going to happen, right? But anyway, uh, if, if he finishes eighth, at least I'll have had a good sweat for the week on the bet. So, And then one, um, I might just put try fight a tiny bet um, on Niall Carney, Irish lad, who's playing some yes. nice stuff at the, playing some nice yes. stuff at the moment. Yeah, I know he was on the leaderboard last week. Yeah. Yeah. So where are we? So he can get him. He's up priced up to two fifty to one. But uh, if you want to take a couple more places, he's uh, widely available at two hundred to one. So. Paul and I followed him for a number of holes at Wentworth. I think it was four years ago. Mm-hmm. We followed him round. But it might have been Wentworth, or it might have been um, Walton Heath, the one that Eddie Pepperell won, the Brit- Betfred British Masters. Anyway, we followed him round and. Um, yeah, he he looked he looked a, a decent talent even that day, and I mean you know, we're talking a, we're talking quite a few years ago. He he seems to um, he hasn't made that big breakthrough yet, but he seems to be gaining a lot more confidence on the European tour. He's been a lot more visual on leaderboards recently. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about, it's about making that consistent leap, I guess, into get grabbing himself some top tens. To mm. you know, it's, he seems to be making those progressive steps as he goes along. And the other thing that I really liked, in addition to just the raw results, was that in the the model I put up last night, just just for reference, the top three in that were uh, Thorbjorn Olsen, Jamie Donaldson, Victor Dubuisson, Luz Jouten, and Max Kiefer. So there's some good players up at the top of this model. A lot was focused on coastal positive, uh, a bit of driving accuracy, and, you know, kind of birdie focus, really. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it wasn't a feel and Bermuda positive too because of the greens. So, yep. it's um, you know, Niall Carney showed up 19th or in that model, so mm-hmm. 250 to one and playing the Irish angle. I just said, why not? Well, 200 to 250 to one, whichever I pick. So, that's that. Those are those, are those two little additions. So, that's the Tenerife Open. I, I apologize to listeners. Clearly, Paul stuck in A&E and um. Probably got his head, we've done, head we've done our bet. It, it, it wasn't seamless in any way, shape, or form. But all I can do is point uh, listeners go to Paul's um, full preview 
at Golf Betting System. Just, you know, Golf Betting System, Golf Betting Tips. Find us on Search Engine on Google. You'll click straight through, and Paul has done his usual magic there, a full, detailed breakdown of this event. Uh, five selections there. I'll just recap his selections. He's gone for Kiefer, Callum Hill, Nino Batasio, who Barry's also on. He's got Pep Angle, and he's also got Alejandro Canizares. Have you got Canizares? Because that will come I'm, and bite you on the bottom, Barry. I'm, I'm sticking with Bratasio and Canizares, yeah. Yeah, you are. Okay, right. So four this week. It's juicy for me on the European tour because I usually tank. So I can't ask Paul for his fade of the week, so I'm going to ask you. <laughs> oh, no. Who's your fade of the week at the Tenerife Open? Who was uh, Paul's fade last week? I've actually forgotten. Yeah, it's not, it's not so ingrained into our heads anymore yet, is it? We'll no, to, like, it isn't. Drill it down a bit more. I know that he, I know that he that he, clearly he faded Kaima, who came. It was near. The top. I don't. I can't remember. He faded him. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Who who would you fade at the top of the leaderboard this week? Uh, or the I, betting uh, board, rather. Yeah. Okay. Go Just on. picking from like the top ten. Yeah. I probably say. I probably say Kiefer. I know he's playing great, but there's a lot of uh, energy burnt in two really deep hunts back to back weeks. So I. I w- would not shock me to see him get off to a fast start, but maybe just uh, run out of steam. I know Guido's been very popular this week, hasn't he? Because he, he finished like a train last week. Guido. Right, okay, let's let's cross over the Atlantic, shall we? Let's head to Palm Harbor, Florida for the Val Spa Championship. Your, um, your summary of the Copperhead course at Innisbrook Resort last week off mic was absolutely fantastic, Barry. How would Remind you... Well, you basically said it's an absolute B-I-T-C-H of a golf course. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah. It, it feels like that every year, right? It's not easy, is it? If you If you wanted to start building up for a major championship on a major championship tough golf course, Copperhead isn't a bad shout, is it? It it, te- it tends to have firm conditions, releasing greens, and you read a lot of um, you read a lot of player comments around here. I mean, it's all in my betting preview. They basically say you cannot fake this golf course, and a lot of the approaches the the greens, you, you mentioned this as well. A lot of the greens and, the, you know, we've got dogleg holes. It's a tip. Let's get this straight, right? The golf course itself is located on the opposite coast to where you find PGA National, where you find Bay Hill. So we're now on the Gulf of Mexico, western side of Florida. And it's up towards that northwest corner of Florida, Palm Harbor, basically Tampa Bay. Um, but... Play, it is, this is by no means a Florida-type golf course with lots of water and lake surrounding holes. This, to me, is far more and feels and plays like a Carolina golf course. So it plays far mm. more like a harbour town. It plays far more like a Quail Hollow, which we are going to see next week. And actually, the way that they, they built this into the schedule now, it's almost as if you've got almost like a Carolina swing because you've got harbour town. I know we're playing this in Florida, but they, you're playing a Carolina-type golf course this week at Palm Harbour, and then next week they're going to Quail Hollow. 
Mm. So you've got three very similar golf courses in their look, their feel. Quail Hollow's a lot longer, a bit wider, but even so, tree line, dog legs everywhere. What they also say about this golf course at Copperhead is most a lot of the of the greens are actually at forty five degree angles to the fairways, so you've got a lot of diagonal greens, which makes finding the right levels of greens and attacking pins really really difficult. And you know you've got to you've got to shop use both kind of shot shapes around here as well. It's a really kind of old style quirky golf course and what makes matters even worse of course is that you've got some water in play on nine of the 18 holes and you've got traditionally firm and fiery conditions here. You know balls are releasing on greens this week. You're Which is always gonna... good to see. Always good yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You're certainly not going to want to play this course if you have a little bit of doubt in your mind about what's going on with your swing. It'll chew you up, right? Yes. Yeah. It really will chew you it, up. It's 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 a brilliant it's a brilliant tune up for the guys, you know, heading into the major in three weeks' time. Really mm. test the game, but give them time to figure out things if 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 elements of their game aren't uh, where they want them to be. It's it's just really nicely timed. We're three weeks away from the PGA Championship, and I love. I always like to plot where the elite players are playing. Now, this week, top of the lead, uh, top of the mark betting board: Justin Thomas, nine to one; Dustin Johnson, the world number one, at eleven to one. That price is starting to get bigger. You then have a jump: Patrick Reed at twenty to one. Reed is the other kind of player that. You've either got to be on point with your ball striking or you've got to have an absolutely unbelievable short game. Reed always steps into that category and has finished um, second here, I think, potentially twice. I know he was second here a couple of years ago when he was T2 with, with Tiger Woods the first year that Paul Casey won here in 2018. He's at 20 to 1. Corey Connors is at 20 to 1. Victor Hovland's at 22 to 1 with the Defending champion from 2019, he's going for a hat trick of PGA Tour wins. Paul Casey at 22 to one. Then you've got Tyrrell Hatton at 28s, Sung J Im at 30s, Louis Oosthuizen 33 to ones with Abraham Anser and Scotty Scheffler 30, uh, 33 to one bar the rest. Now I'm just going to take you through this. I pulled this together. So you know there's there's a list of some runners and riders for the majors coming up. We've also got Coke Rag, who's a bit of a course specialist. Jochen Neiman playing this week. Justin Rose playing this week. And then we're getting down to players that, for me, I don't think they're going to win majors um, anytime soon. And um, that's my own personal perspective. Gary Woodland's in there. Um, he's seventy to one, eighty to one at Bet Three Six Five. What I thought I'd do just to try and give some information to the listeners, something that isn't going to be readily available out there. I've pulled together a list of where the big names are playing over the next two weeks, building up to the PGA Championship. Because as we've said with the PGA, it's really, you've got to keep a very close eye on what players are doing right now to get to join the dots for the PGA Championship. You know, strokes gain, tee to green, approach play, total driving. Because we know what we're going to face at Kiwa Island. A ridiculously long par 72 by the coast where power, hitting and ball striking is going to be absolutely vital this week. Right, Wells Fargo. This is the field of the elite players next week. Bear in mind, these can change. There could be late additions to the field. 
Patrick Cantley, Corey Connors. So this is at Quail Hollow next week. I said that it would be loaded. Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, Sung Im, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, uh, Joachim Neiman, Joaquin rather. I'm, I'm back to that again. Joaquin Neiman, sorry. Ram, Reed, Chef uh, Shefeli, Chauflay, Simpson. I <laughs> know oh it's terrible, isn't it? Simpson, JT, Matthew Wolfe, Gary Woodland, and Will Zalatoris. Those are the elite names in the field next week at the Wells Fargo. As that's, we sit here, they've still got till Friday to to firm that field up. It's very appealing, isn't it? That's a good. That's a good field, isn't it? It says a lot about the field. It says a lot about like where this this week and, and Copperhead sits in the schedule that um, the field is not quite as strong. And I think also the difficulty of the golf course. Maybe some guys are just don't want that confidence bashing right now. Mm-hmm. That you could easily suffer at this golf course. You know, you go out, you could shoot a couple of seventy fives or something like that, and uh, and be wandering and soul searching for yeah. a while. Well, it's interesting with JT. He's playing this week and next week, and then he takes off the AT and T Byron Nelson down in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. So you know you could almost is he using this week as a tune up to then really go for it at Quail Hollow next week? There's lots yeah. of different ways of looking at things. Rory plays next week at Quail Hollow. He doesn't play the week before as it stands in the field right now. The AT and T Byron Nelson, which they're playing at a new golf course this year, TPC Craig Ranch, which is in Dallas, Texas. Here are the elite names in that field at the moment. DeChambeau. So DeChambeau is playing both Quail Hollow and Byron Nelson. Matthew Fitzpatrick is playing Byron Nelson. Sergio Garcia. Dustin Johnson is playing again that week. We always know with DJ, he doesn't mind the week before tuning up for a major, does he? Um, He did that when he won the Masters. He played at Houston the week before um, winning um, the Masters last year. Year, last year and also I think he played the week before at Southwind before he won the US Open Mark Leishman plays Byron Nelson I don't think it's going to surprise you that Hideki Matsuama is playing the week before the PGA Championship because that's exactly what he did when he won the Masters played Valero and then won the Masters the week after John Rahm is playing both John Rahm is playing both the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow and TPC Craig Ranch so you think it through, Rahm will have played the team event at Zurich. He'll have played three out of four weeks built leading up to the PGA Championship. It's That's good. a step it's, up. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, the introduction of a Texas event amongst this, let's say, East Coast Carolina-style course swing, mm. right before going back to a Carolina-style course for the, yeah. uh, the PGA Championship is... Uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how the guys are viewing that. Does it like disrupt the flow they might be in, or the, the vibes they have, or how they're playing and attacking golf courses by jumping over to a Texas course and then back? I don't know anything about it either. It's a it's a course that I haven't come across, Craig Ranch. Um, so yeah, I couldn't even tell you if it's bent grass, Bermuda grass, whatever the greens are. Bearing in mind we're playing Paspalum on Kiowa Island, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Scotty Scheffler is playing the Byron Nelson. So he's going from here this week at Valspar, missing out Quail Hollow and going to Craig Ranch. Jordan Spieth, of course, plays in Dallas, his hometown. Um, You think about Spieth. 
Um, he'll be an awful price. I get that. But something like the Texas swing and, and ticking off every Texas golf course before he retires, you would have thought would be something that would be a memorable target for him. I know for a fact, when they used to play this at Las Colinas, he always used to say in interviews he hated that golf course, something chronic. Um, this is a new course for the tour. He might actually really like this one. So Spieth plays um, that AT&T Byron Nelson. Lee Westwood plays it. And so does Will Zalatoris. Zalatoris is going to play both the Wells Fargo and the AT&T Byron Nelson the week before the PGA Championship. I just thought that was interesting, just to see where the top names are playing over the, this week and the, and the next two weeks. I, as I said, fields do change. There will be additions to these fields, but right here, right now, those are the elite players and where they're playing in the next three weeks. Back to the Valspar. Difficult golf courses, we said. I mean, just to, to, to look, clarify the difficulty. Uh, 2019, last time they played here, this played at a stroke over the par 71 average for the field, and it was the sixth most difficult golf course on the PGA Tour in 2019. It is no cakewalk. Um, from a agronomy perspective, the greens are 5,800 square feet on average, so relatively small. They feature Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass, which are overseeded with Poa Tribulus. We've had a lot of this overseed. It's the time of the year, clearly. No bent grass on these greens, though. Poa Tribulus overseed on a Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass base. It's just tough. Three inch rough as well. And I, from the forecast, from the rain that this area's had, had very little rain in February and March. There's been more rain in April. Um, I think it was 22 or 25 mils last week on the golf course. But uh, looking at forecasts, doesn't appear to be any real risk of precipitation across tournament week. Uh, and it looks like it could be blowing up to 15 to 20 miles an hour just to add a little bit more of a of difficulty to it across both Thursday and Friday. So on a, on a golf course of this difficulty, if you're throwing in a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind as well, yeah, um, it's, it's it's not helping the situation, is it? That's that's going to test your patience. Oh my uh, god! I'm just I'm just literally going on to Windfinder right now to see what the uh, forecast is looking at. Bearing in mind we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, it's still pretty much the same, yeah. It looks like it's uh, 15 to 20 miles an hour across the day Thursday. And it actually looks like Friday is... This is this is more uh, more severe than when I wrote the tips yesterday, Monday. It actually looks like it could be gusting up to 25 miles an hour on the Friday. Wow. Um, target score for me, looking at this... Saturday looks a bit perky as well. Anything up to potentially uh, 15, 18 miles an hour. And it's a completely different wind direction on the Saturday. It's a northerly where the uh, Thursday and the Friday are the, uh, a, a southerly wind. I think, you know, Barry, we could be looking at something like a, a 7 to 8 under par winning again this week. Which is it's what just... we've seen here the last two. I think Casey won at 8 under and 10 under the last two renewals. This is I, I'd be amazed if they reach double digits. 
absolutely amazed. It's a proper technical grinding tournament this week. And I didn't even mention the snake pen. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, Everyone we else be... is, oh, snake pit, snake pit, every five seconds, snake pit. Yes, yeah. it, it's a tough golf course with a very difficult finish. Let's put it that way. Anything to add? I don't know. I just can't, it's, I can't it's... see it being more than, I just can't see them getting to double digits. Just cannot see it. It, 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 the factors seem to be aligning for that yeah it should be an interesting watch you know not to not to like brutalize the guys but like a pretty testing golf course with with wind as a factor it's going to be uh, it's going to make for some interesting viewing and you know you, you might you might catch one or two nuggets for the weeks ahead that you know guys who go reasonably well this week maybe don't win but you can keep them in mind for going to an easier test uh, in the next couple of weeks. It, it, things could, you know, work out quite well for them then in that situation. You know, you come from a hard test to an easy test. You're like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, let's go. Let's go get it. So um, I'm finding it hard to figure out who to pick, though. Do you have any to kind of get us started? or The player I had in mind for this, and I've had the player, this player in mind for this for ages, Um I knew that we weren't going to get a great price on him. Uh, but then, you know, what kind of price do you expect on a guy that's got such great form recently? Um, I don't know. A lot of people are price proud, aren't they? They're, oh, I'm not backing him at this price. And I and I've, I've, yeah, I, I can be accused of that. <laughs> I, I've done that lots and lots of time. But I'm trying well, not we to We all have. We all have. You listen to this. Third at Bay Hill. Seventh at Sawgrass. Eighth at Augusta at the Masters. He was tenth at the Masters uh, in uh, November, and he was fourth last time out at Harbour Town. I mean, based on that form, what do you expect for a price? I mean, if there's a guy there, a player there that's you know a concrete block to the back of the head that is due a victory, <laughs> I don't know what is. And then I, I, I remember this going way past. I'd never heard of this individual. Never heard of him. And all of a sudden, 2018, great tournament because Tiger Woods played it. The, this was the season where Woods won the Tour Championship at the end of the year. And he was building momentum. He was sixth at the Open that year, second at the PGA Championship behind um, Brooks Kepka, And he went on to win the Tour Championship. Early on that year, he played the Valspar. Um, it was he played Honda Classic Valspar, and then he went and kind of semi-contended at Bay Hill. I remember it well. I was actually on him at Bay Hill, getting really excited, and he he blasted it into someone's garden. I think when it was getting quite close, that was the year McElroy won. Anyway, there was this guy leading. No one had heard of him. In fact, he'd barely been priced up because he was a late alternate into the field when Kyle Stanley withdrew. He was a rookie on the PGA Tour, but he had such low status, he wasn't even getting into fields like the Valspar. His name was Corey Connors. And he was the 36 and 54 hole leader at this tournament back in 2018 as an alternate, a late alternate. And he just, you just look at Paul, you know, look at the names that have won around here. Charles Svartzel, a Masters champion. You know, you've got uh, Jordan Spieth, who is a, is a Masters champion. He's won around here in 2015. 
Paul Casey, he goes well at Augusta. A real top-level ball striker extraordinaire, Paul Casey. Corey Connors just fits that mould completely. Gary Woodland won this in 2011 at a price. Triple digits he won 2011. Um, to me, it just fits Connors down to the ground. I don't think you've got to be a bomber. It's all about strokes gained off the tee, really. I'll take you through the strokes gained metrics, actually. Um, I, as part of the preview, look at what play, where players have ranked in the years that they won in the field for their strokes gained metrics. Strokes gained off the tee across the last four winners here, going back to Svartzel. Strokes gained off the tee, 38th. Now, how often do you see that metric so low on the PGA Tour? Strokes gained off the tee, 38th. That's the average position of the last four winners in the field. So actual bombing, irrelevant this week. Strokes gained on approach, fifth. Strokes gained around the green, 15th. So you've got to have a short game. Strokes gained tee to green, fourth. Strokes gained putting, 19th. It just shouts, it screams Corey Connors. So I just, two points each way I went on Corey Connors. I got 25 to one on Connors. He's been backed in. That was getting backed in even as I was recording the YouTube show yesterday. He's just now a straight 20 to 1 shot, really. That's quite short for a guy who's, I'm not going to say only won once on tour, but he's only won once on tour. But, God, he's just, he's putting in an awful lot of um, place place results. He isn't the greatest of fields either, is it? But yeah, sure. I mean, he's sitting there alongside Victor Hovland, so. I mean, if. If you'd backed him, what, the last six times he's gone out, you'd have got each way payouts to eight places four of those six times. If he was to win, he's that kind of Matt Kuchar winner going back in the day, isn't it? Kuchar used to literally, it was 10th, 8th, 8th, 6th, 4th, and eventually... When everyone was dying a death and he was at 20 to 1, he'd finally get over the line somehow. He just ground down the fields week on week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? Con- Connors is on it. He's got a good progression. He's gone 14th, 8th, 4th. So, hmm, keeps yeah. that up. He's got it. And the other thing is, you just know. I mean, you can tell from that 2018 outing. That's the only time he's played here. He eventually finished 16th. Um, he was in the last group that year with um, Paul Casey. Uh, was it Paul Casey? Or it might have been Justin Rose. It was one or other. And that was his course debut as an alternate, as a rookie on the PJ Tour. So the course clearly fits. So it was one of those. If I if I hadn't tipped up Corey Connors and he won this week, I'd literally be jumping out of the office hmm. window and breaking both my legs. So he had to be in. So that's that was my first tip. I know it's not your scene. It's not your style. Oh, just... Just on Corey Connors, by the way, you know I keep these eight-week metrics for all statistics that I throw out there completely free of charge as part of my preview. Um, Corey Connors ranks in this field third for strokes gained off the tee, first for strokes gained on approach. Bearing in mind, approach is quite important this week. He also ranks uh, first for strokes gained tee to green and First for strokes gained total. So basically strokes gained current form over the last eight weeks. Corey Connors ranks number one. So 25 to 1, looking at those statistics. I didn't think it was a, a totally unbackable price for me. No, it's, it's good. It's good. And he, 
he's playing phenomenal golf. What? The only thing he needs to do is just uh, stay in stay in contention, right? Give yeah. you at the very least give you a sweat for your money. So he's thirty eighth in the world now. Um, you can look at it one of two ways. Uh, you know, it's bound to fall. He's actually been putting quite well recently. He's actually ranks in the top eleven for strokes gained putting, which always used to be his nemesis. That's in the last eight weeks. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll throw this in the. If you can get some feedback to me, listeners, and if you're happy with this, and this is something I'm more than willing to do on podcasts moving forward, I'll take you through the top twelve of my analysis for strokes gained approach. Bear in mind, it's the most important metric this week over the last eight weeks this includes European Tour and PJ Tour tied for 11th Taylor Gooch and Justin Rose 10 interesting name Phil Mickelson 10th for strokes gained approach the last eight weeks 9 Justin Thomas we know what an amazing approach player he is tied for 6th Abraham Anser Doug Gim I did have a really good close look at Doug Gim and Sam Horsfield who's been playing amazing stuff on the European Tour, plays this week. Four, the man that's going for a hat-trick, Paul Casey. He's tied with James Hahn. Three, Emiliano Grillo. We just know how brilliantly he's playing at the moment, but never seems to get a victory. That might change this week, you never know. Two, Rasmus Huergaard, who again playing amazing stuff on the European Tour. And number one, Corey Connors. So that's the top 12 Um uh, in terms of my rolling strokes gained approach over the last eight weeks. Just gives you a flavour of who's hitting the ball really sweetly with the irons and the approach play uh, over the over recent tournaments. So yes, I led with Connors. My next bet, someone a little bit more under the radar, but for me he's a Bermuda grass monster. I mean, if you just look at where he's played well this season... And um, there's a lot of expectations on this lad. Fifth at Kapalua, Century Tournament of Champions. Twelfth at PGA West, where they play the American Express. And he had a top ten at the Honda Classic, where he finished eighth. He also finished 13th last time out at Harbour Town where he was fourth after 36 holes and 54 holes in South Carolina. And for me, that performance was really interesting because Sung Jae-in has been driving the ball phenomenally this season. He's been putting phenomenally this season. It's been the approach play and the around the green game, which has been struggling, potentially, the around the green game. That's been patchy. But last time out at Harbour Town, I'm not interested in what happened last week. He played with Benny Ann, he missed a cut. No interest to in me whatsoever. I'm glad he did. It kept his price high this week. He was 12th for total driving, 4th for total accuracy, 8th for ball striking at Harbour Town. If you look at that from a strokes gained angle, he was 18th for strokes gained on approach and 18th for strokes gained tee to green. And then you just look at the world number 19 and what he's done in the past. He was fourth on his PGA Tour debut at the 2018 Safeway Open. They played that at Silverado over in California. That's a tree-lined, short, pretty claustrophobic golf course. I mean, fourth on his PGA Tour debut. That showed you the, the, the talent we were dealing with with Sung Jae-in. 
Uh, the year after that, 2019, he did his first Florida swing. He finished third at Bay Hill behind Francesco Molinari, and he was fourth here at Copperhead behind Paul Casey. Brilliant. And then in 2020, he did his second Florida swing. He won the Honda Classic at six under par. And then the week after that, he finished third at Bay Hill. That was the tournament that Tyrrell Hatton won when I was on board him at 55 to 1. So you just look at those. I mean, I'm just going recapping here. That nine on uh, Bay Hill behind Francesco Molinari, nine under par. He was fourth at Copperhead here behind Paul Casey, six under par. When he won the Honda Classic, he won that at six under par. And then he was second or third behind. Um, Tyrrell Hatton at Bay Hill in 2020 last year. He was two under par. So if we're talking about a player that comes to the party when single digits are the winning score in Florida, Sung Jae-im is right in the wheelhouse, mate. Absolutely right there. And bearing in mind, where did he pop up a few weeks ago before the Masters? Even though he wasn't playing very well with his approach play, he was eight. At the Honda Classic, again, another single-digit winning score in Honda, uh, in Florida. I just also you just look at you look at Sung Jm. He's he's got a couple of top tens at Sedgefield, where they play uh, the Wyndham Championship. Again, that is another Carolina golf course, isn't it? So, uh, that tight past seventy there. He just ticks every box when it comes to correlating courses and where you should be playing well to win this. Sung Jm is all over it like a rash. I got thirty to one. Eight places each way with Paddy Powell. You've got, you've got based on that sell. You've got to be tempted on Sunjay him yourself, surely, Barry. Yeah, I, I backed him at the Masters and he completely disappointed. But like he's, there's so much going. I mean, there was a reason I backed him at the Masters because there's been so much good going from recently. The, the so driving's been outstanding. Uh, and and based on the the correlation to like the tough courses and that being mm. one this week, it's just everything seems to be aligning very seriously towards uh, towards backing him. Uh, I, d- I don't I, think I can avoid putting a bet on him. My gut feel on Sanjay Im is if you if you're going to a Sedgefield where twenty two under par wins in August, yeah, you know that that to me is a sort of Branch Schnedeker kind of test. I think Im struggles when the score is super, super resort level low. Mm. He comes to the party on proper tough tracks where you, where you are fighting for pars. You're grinding, yeah. Pars a great score, and that's where Im really seems to come to the party. He's actually, from a South Korean perspective, he's definitely their best shot for a major championship winner that we've seen out of Korea probably since KJ Choi. I, I think he's got the real base. I mean, as you said, second at the Masters last year basically stamps that, doesn't it? Im's the kind of player that could be that, that Korean winner of a major because he just comes to the party on the tougher golf courses. So, yeah, I'm all over him this week. I don't see anyone backing him, by the way, and that's fine. People back who they want to back. There's been no early interest in him whatsoever. That thirty to one that I got uh, yesterday more uh, yesterday afternoon is still there. No one, no one's attacking it whatsoever. It's slightly tempting to even hang on to see. Do you think you'd drift much? Might, though? Get, might drift to what thirty threes, thirty fives. Might get thirty threes. Might get thirty threes. 
anyone in this kind of mid-tier you're after? I'm sure I'm... Louis, Louis just kills me when I back him. But I, so I'm just curious how he bounces back this week uh, after the disappointment of Sunday. He's his re- play, his he's, record here is phenomenal, isn't it? He's playing very well at the moment. So, but what did you what did you say about TP um, Louisiana? You said it was firm and fast, didn't you? Yeah. And you said clearly, yeah, there was an Austra- a, a set of Australians and South Africans were fighting it out, weren't they? So. It's going to be no different this week, and it's going to be a far tougher golf course. Now, Oosthausen, his record here is absolutely uh, phenomenal. I'm just looking here on the sheet. Um, second here last time they played, 16th and 7th, though his last three outings here. That's crazy, isn't it? It's just how, how does he respond to that playoff? That's the, that's the mystery of Louis. You just never know what Louis is going to show up on any given week. The mystery, but like that, 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 that also throws in the fact that do you look at a Brandon Grace and do you look at Charles Farsall this week? The other and Eric Van Royen. There's you know there's four South Africans in this field. An interesting angle. I haven't tipped any of them, so that's probably a good thing. Leave them open for the rest of the betting community. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm hot. I'm, Louis there, but I just don't know if I can pull the trigger on him. I, I never seem to time him correctly, so um, you, I love my, the, I love my, the sun shade. My so, take on my, well, my take on this. I mean, shoot me down. I mean, I've gone for Corey Connors at twenty five to one, so at least he has one on the PJ tour. But yeah, you've got Oosthausen there, Abraham Anson, a tour maiden, Scotty Scheffler, a tour maiden. Jason Kokrags only ever won once on the tour. Yoking, uh, Wacky Neiman only won once on tour. Russell Henley hasn't won for her age. There's a lot of there's a lot of very short players that are clearly playing some great golf that just don't win. Charlie Hoffman forty five to one. Ryan Palmer, our old friend, hasn't won a singles tournament since 2010. 50 to one. You can't argue that Palmer's playing brilliant golf because he's yeah. You know, He's in the top 20, what, top 30 in the world now. Just keeps grinding out results, but doesn't win, does he? There's a, a Cameron Tringal is another one. They're all in a line here. Emiliano Grio. There's a lot of non-winners in that juicy mid-range in terms of prices. And then you've got Chris Kirk at 55s or Kevin Nart at 55s. Kevin Nart's bound to go well because he missed the cut last time I tipped him. At <laughs> yeah. And Chris Kirk, he's playing golf from the gods, isn't he? But he, just, he doesn't have a great record around here, Kirk. No, he doesn't, does he? No, 42nd miscut, 49th miscut, his last four outings. That, that would suggest there's not a, uh, n- get on a su- super synchronization going on. Bubba Watson's there. I mean, f- you can grab Bubba Watson at 60 to 1 right now with Unibet. I don't know. There was a lot of players there I just didn't fancy in that price range. And that's the kind of price range I think you need to be really gunning for because um, just the average winning odds here, this won't surprise anyone. Casey won at 25 to 1 and 25 to 1. Hadwin won 25s. Svartzel at 33. Spieth at 16s. So it's either a short short price or a 100 to 1-er. Yeah. John Sendon was before Spieth. He won 125 to 1. Yeah, I think it kind of feels like I was going to ask you about like how 
short you know short price guys go here because it seems like the kind of test that just demands somebody to be on their game and will inevitably be priced short because they're a high quality player so or you get that surprise winner from outside that's been showing whereas the mid-range guys are kind of not quite doing enough of any one particular thing or enough particular things to to put them in in the right spot to go win this week so you get either the short price guy or surprise winner if you and I went back to the 2018 and 2019, uh, well, definitely 2019, I don't even know if we were around 2018, Valspar, but if you go back to our podcast and you'd have said, Paul, I'm backing Paul Casey at 25 to 1 and 25 to 1 to win this, you and I would have been laughing, banging our heads against, against the, the table, going, no way I'm backing Paul Casey at 25 to 1. And he won both of them. <laughs> kind of Corey Connors-esque. I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're thinking the same thing as I'm thinking. Luke Donald won this in 2012 as at 11 to 1. That was the year he was world number one by fighting with Rory McIlroy. Jim Furyk, 30 to 1, 3 0 to 1 in 2010. So, yeah, it's either it's either an elite player in half decent Nick, Jordan Speed, 16 to 1, or it's a someone, a good ball striker in that 120, 125, 100 to 1 range. That seems to be the angles. The one I have gone for at that price point that we were going through, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about non-winners or winners, that, players that win very infrequently, the one I had to take was Justin Rose. Ten-time winner on the PGA Tour. And this guy was leading the Masters for a considerable length of it, so he's clearly playing some good golf. Hmm. Uh, there was 45 to 1 about Justin Rose uh, with short places. I think uh, 45 to 1 was uh, potentially Unibet when I went live. I just took the eight places, 40 to 1. It's like, yeah, sign me up, Justin Rose. He's not my favourite brand, as Jeff Feinberg would say. He's, you know, Rose isn't my brand potentially, but 40 to 1, Paddy Power, eight places each way. And he has got, he's finished uh, last five visits, fifth, eighth, and fifth in his last five visits here. He's got 10 top 30 finishes here out of 11 starts. He's only missed the cut here once. And if you want a player that's motivated, Justin Rose, coming up, Just- to, coming up to Keir Island where he finished third at the PGA Championship in 2012. And he's out of all of the automatic spots for the Ryder Cup right now. He's got just, to keep just, playing. Yeah, right? yeah. Just having a poke through his, you know, where he's at in terms of his last win. Um, twenty nineteen, January twenty nineteen, Farmers. If yeah. I'm reading it correctly, so there's a couple of wins in there as well. Colonial, I think that was in um, in May. I think he also had a win at New Orleans in late April. So he yeah. he has won a few tournaments in this kind of time, this time of uh, of the PJ Tour calendar in the past. That was another thing that I I liked about Rose. I've always said Justin Rose is a bent grass player. He putts better on bent grass. I get that, but he's he's won a couple of times on Bermuda grass, and he clearly loves this golf course because, as he said, you just can't fake it around here. Just for my just for my metrics. Now I did mention him in the top twelve of my strokes gained approach metric over the last eight weeks. He tops 
Greens in regulation over the same eight-week time period. Justin Rose at one, Corey Connors at two, Emiliano Grio at three. So those are the three players in this field who have hit the most, um, the best green numbers over the last eight weeks. Could you, you wonder whether it could finally fall for Grio this week? There has yeah, to be less does. importance on the putter. It's just stick, you know, get a little bit under par, but you don't need to go super deep. But sorry, this, the course will dictate that the scoring should not go super deep. So it doesn't need, say, doesn't it need does. to be rolling in so many birdies. If he bangs in whatever, 70% greens and regs, maybe even 75, well, that'd probably be a big ask this week. But Harbour, this Harbour Town, yeah, this is similar, isn't it? Very, very similar. Grio, huge chance of winning this week. He just, he just has that habit, does it? He just has yeah. that habit of shooting himself in the foot when, when he's in the lead. It's it's torture to be on him. As a warning to all listeners, if you haven't backed Grio before, it is torture to be on him. So, but if he does do it this week, then you know, fair play to him. I I just can't, I can't I put could, my money in there. I could see Grio leading this and throwing it away, or being just off the pace and getting a backdoor top five. It'll be one or t'other. And at fifty to one, if you, that's a decent each way punt, isn't it? It's okay. You, ten, that, ten to one place payout. Yeah, if you want to take that. Grio is in a superb spot with his game. It's it is the Emiliano Grio of old. He's just a ball striking machine when he's on it. Um, the other two I've gone at big prices. I almost got two hundred and fifty to one on this particular individual, and literally I'd finished the tip. It was being formatted to to go live, and. 250 to 1 was cut to 160 to 1. But I've taken Keith Mitchell. Uh, 160 to 1 with Unibet. I've just a little half a point each way stake. Keith Mitchell was one of these guys that played beautifully last week with Branch Snedeker at New Orleans. Um, he's outside the 125 for the FedEx Cup. He won a couple of years ago at the Honda Classic. So that two-year exemption will be coming to a close in August. So he needs to be earning his card this year. Um, Mitchell again if you look at PGA National if you look at Bay Hill um, he's also played well at Sony Open over the years YLI always comes to the party on Bermuda grass he's just the kind of guy that I, for me could take last week's momentum and build on it again this week he was 11th here on the only time he's played the Valspar Championship uh, that was back in 2017 and back then, he uh, he Monday qualified to get in the field because he was a Corn Ferry player at that stage and he finished 11th over the week here at the Valspar. So I had no PGA Tour status whatsoever. I just, oh, I wish I could have got the 250s. But anyway, I'm happy. 160 to 1 I, I got with Unibet. That is still hanging there. If you take 10 places each way with ball sports, that is as short as 90 to 1. And the other one I've gone for, you, you said off mic you like this particular bet, Chase Seifert. Now, I managed to get half a point each way on Chase Seifert at 250 to 1. Eight places each way with Paddy Power. 
And the thing with... I said to you before we started recording this, on my eight-week trackers, he's 22nd for driving accuracy in ranking in this field. Eighth for greens in regulation. 24th for scrambling. And from a strokes game perspective, he ranks 23rd for tee to green. And for strokes gained current form, so strokes gained in the last eight weeks, he's 15th in my analysis. And he was 250 to 1. Sign me up. It should, not, think, be that, it should not be that price with that, those stats. Don't think he'll win it, but already since he's been on the main tour, he's finished fourth at the 2023 M Open. And a few, just over a month ago, he finished third at PGA National at the Honda Classic. And what's the Honda Classic? Technical, horrible golf course, single-digit winning score. He finished third. And you know how lightning quick that got over the weekend when Matt Jones won that? Mm. That was fiery, that golf course. And, you know, you just look into it. He's 29 years of age. He went to Florida State University. And he grew up in Panama City, born, raised, uh, which is about 300 miles just up the coast from here in Palm Harbour. Sign me up, 250 to 1. I'm in. First round leader, wouldn't put you off that either. I wouldn't put you off first round leader on Seether or Mitchell, actually. I mean, they're the kind of ones that... There's something in their play right now. Now, whether it lasts for, for four rounds, we don't know. But first round leader, yeah, I could see that as well for both. But yeah, so I've gone for Seifert, who's playing some outstanding stuff right now. Mitchell, and then shorter prices, Justin Rose, who I, I still think is great value. Um, he was as short as 28 to 1 with um, Sky Bet, and others were hanging 45 to 1 about Justin Rose. So, that, you know, it just tell Sky Bet don't want to take a penny of money on him, and I always think that's a great sign. Rose at, I've got Rose at 40s, Sung J M at 30s, and Corey Connors at 25s. Are there any others that you're having a punt on, Barry? Are you still cogitating? I'm kind, yeah, kind of cogitating, percolating, trying to find. I, I feel like I'm kind of going to focus either on the shorter end of the market or in that kind of ninety to one plus mm. brackets, and I'm just trying to see who really pops out. Stenson has a very good record here. What, what's what's going on with Stenson at the moment? There's little signs, little signs of life. Yeah, I, I I looked at Stenson quite closely. The other one I looked at around there that's a that's a winner, Brad Schnedeker. Now, Schnedeker isn't your ball-striking Paul Casey, but as we've seen here, Jordan Spieth's one here. He's more of the Patrick Reed mode, isn't he? Where he loves a classical golf course. And we, I said on the podcast last week, keep looking at Schnedeker. He's going he's gonna to pop somewhere. He has to pop because he's in that FedEx Cup territory where he needs to perform. I think... He's now back into the top 125 after that fourth place last week with Keith Mitchell. But he's got to keep performing. An older style golf... I just don't know. I don't know. I think, for me, Schnedeker's more your Sedgefield 22 under par winner. I'm not sure he's going to win at six under par. That's what... Danny Willett's 100 to one. He's playing better. He has been for a while, but what's? he just hasn't really... Happens. No. 
Hatton Kaziah. Yeah, Kaziah's been playing some great golf, but again, I think Kaziah's your 18 under kind of winner. I don't see him grinding out a seven under par victory on a tough major championship kind of golf course, Patton Kaziah. Yeah, Willow Willow's hit that funny blip because he showed quite well and then had a couple of back to back missed cuts kind of out of nowhere. Uh, look, obviously, the last two weeks he's, he's gone a bit better. Um, with the eighteenth on his own, and then uh, eighth last week, so in the team event. Hmm. Mm. Keep thinking about it. I'm surprised you, because you've been mentioning Taylor Gooch. I thought you might have a little punt on Taylor, Taylor Gooch or Talor Gooch. Still, still getting through the the field here to try to try mm. attack it. Um, Peter Uline's playing well, but I don't know if he's accurate enough. To cope with this, he's second in your scrambling, so that's it's another interesting one. He, he won there two weeks ago on the KFT, so um, he'd be he'll, Phil, Phil Mickelson, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, we're grabbing straws here, clearly. But yeah, if you look, yeah, as we said. A short price winner or one, you know, this this sweet spot, 100 to 125 to one. This is what happens when you fall out of balance missing Paul. You know, you have that third person in there just to go, lads, what? You're talking a lot of crap here. <laughs> the, the only, the one thing I will say, you haven't mentioned Kevin Kisner on Bermuda grass. So I take it, he, he, he bowls up and wins this week. He, he probably does now at this stage. Look, he's three missed cuts in a row, albeit last week's was uh, in the team event format, but... Something's not matching up with what uh, it's been dire, what, what what was what was showing in your tra- you know in your eight week trackers. He was popping a little bit in those, but um, it's kind of disappeared a bit. It's just gone. Yeah. How about Sam Burns? He's got a couple of good results the last couple of weeks. Quality he, player, isn't he? Is he showing up on any of your uh, trackers? What did show for Sam Burns was. You've asked me a super awkward question that I'm going to have to dig into on my computer while I'm waffling. Uh, bear with me. Faust bar. Here we go. The thing with Burns is we know he's a quality player. He was stro- 12th for strokes gained tee to green at Harbour Town last time. So, yeah, he's in the wheelhouse, isn't he? And he's at a reasonable price. Yeah, a few he to grew, think about. He grew up just around the coast in Louisiana, so it'll be au fait with the grass and the conditions and everything. You just got to ask yourself: Does Sam Burns win his maiden PGA Tour title at a grinding six under par at Copperhead? It just didn't kind of one hundred percent compute for me. Doesn't mean he doesn't win. But he's a quality player, Burns. We know he's going to win at some page, and it, at some stage, and it's very, very, very likely to be on Bermuda grass. Yeah, I, I don't, it feels like my, I might have more bets for the European Tour this week than I do in the PGA Tour. Like I really, I love the Sung Jay shout. I love the Chase Seifert, Seifert shout. Part apologies for butchering his name. So um, you, your listeners but, are used to us butchering names, especially me. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, finding it tricky to dig in. I want to. Fi- I want to find a price on Michael Vizaki, the Monday Q guy. I saw the video last night and um, dug into the backstory. He's, he's a phenomenal golfer. He's over thirty. He was thirty six wins on the mini tour, on the mini tours in Florida, and then 
He has a 59, 18 holes in one and has been trying for years to get on tour. And then you see that, like, just brilliant um, outpouring uh, of emotion Mm -hmm. to make it. And he rolled that putt in on the last... 20-footer. That thing just was, like, went, like, down the hole like a vortex. It was brilliant. So, yeah. 600 to 1 with bet 365. He's been priced up. Michael Vizaki. Yeah, waiting for a few more bookies to come up with some markets and uh, see what see what I can fig- find out from that. Oh, he's got yeah, we, we sit off Mike a top yeah. forty on something like that would be quite nice on a Vizaki, wouldn't it? Mm. I didn't know he's so. Pres- I mean, I've never come across the guy, but to, was he? You say thirty titles, something 30, 30 uh, mini tour events, or wow. whatever way you designate them. So, guy's a player. Mm. Just shows that, like the qu- the quality of play, like and, and then just it's just so difficult to get onto tour. We've waffled for 122 minutes. We've got to close this podcast down. We do apologise <laughs> to listeners. We always say, "Well, let's try and make it an hour." <laughs> but, well, but I pl- hope plenty of timestamps in there for the guys to get yeah, through yeah, it and the girls. Yeah. I thank you for your time, Baron. Cheers to you too, Steve. Good, good, good show, and good luck to everybody this week. Fantastic. Oh, there's a photo just came through of Paul's son in plaster. Lying on a hospital trolley. So that's where Paul is. I hope uh, Paul's son gets better soon. That's uh, not, not been a great morning for the Williams household. But we got through the podcast. Barry, I really appreciate your time this week. Thank you for it. Cheers. Cheers, Steve. And uh, thank you to listeners. We'll be back again next week for the second event in Tenerife on the European Tour and the Wells Fargo Championship on the PGA Tour. Two weeks to the PGA Championship. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf